My name is Gabe Logsden. Like Bungie said, we're from Calvary Chapel Temple. Now, two years ago, I'm confused as where we are geographically, because two years ago, Bungie said, if you're north of Round Rock, you're in Canada. But this year, he said, if you're all across the river, you're from, from uh, Dallas. So am I American or not? <laughs> Clearly not. Okay, all right. North American still, right? All right. We're in Calvary Chapel Temple. It's been a, uh, we have a, man, all right, the Lord just doing a great work here. But the wonderful thing about what the Lord is doing in our church is he's doing that through the churches that we know, the, the friends that we have and the camaraderie that we have and the pastor group is, is just such a blessing to us. And you can't imagine uh, being a guy, and you know, I was just a guy like many of you, I would just love to serve the Lord. I, I loved, I started out as an usher and, and, and just God just kept on giving me other opportunities and I just stepped into those things. And it's that Christian community. It's, it's, it's what God had done through the people, his church, guys pouring into me. Of course, my mom was pouring into me forever more. And, and, and the Christian community coming alongside and just being involved in the development of people that want to serve the Lord. And, and I, I just thank, thank guys that would pour into me. And, and there's still a core group of guys that are pouring into me now. And so when we think about this idea of the marital mission of Christian community, we have this beautiful community that it, it's out, it even goes beyond our local church, our direct church. And it's so beautiful when we go to another body, we go to the other Calvary Chapel when we're on vacation and we just feel the Holy Spirit. Oh God, you're here. And it's just such a wonderful thing. Would you agree? Yes. That's not on our notes. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've been married for 18 years. This is my wife, Fatima. She is... She has the patience of, oh, she's wonderful. But um, we met in our early 20s, and we were not walking with the Lord. We were wild, and we were really out of control. Some would say that I'm still wild and really out of control. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Lord has so much grace and mercy. But now we're Christians, and we have five children, and I'm old. <laughs> I'm boring. But I'm going to try not to be because you guys just ate a lot of lunch. All right? Praise the Lord. So how do we as Christians decide and approach our church life? How do we do that? Now, if we're, if we're to approach life in, in basically how we approach the church, how we approach the Christian community, and just go with the flow and... You know, then, then having this life that God would have for us and the fullness therein, I think, is impossible. But God wants us to have a blessed life. That, and that doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be all puppy dogs and rainbows. Maybe you're a cat person. That's fine. We're, you know, Bungie's a cat person. I'm sure of it. He's the guy with the, the picture of himself with the, the cat's faces in multiple places, multiple poses, with a really bad sweater. Can't get that image out of my head now. Yeah, I'm just trying to listen us up. I mean, we're, we're full. We're all, we're all, all want to take a nap. 
Um, it's not going to always be pleasant in our service to the Lord. In fact, we'll see some really difficult times. But if we follow God's plans, then this impossible mission becomes possible. If, if we're looking to what we want and our flesh wants at, at the church level, we're never going to be satisfied. And you want to know that why that is? Is because if we look for what we, our heart's desires are in men and what people can provide for us, we'll never find it. We'll always miss it because God can only fill that hole and that place in our hearts that we need. So we look to the word and we see what God's plan is for the church. And then we plan as a couple how to commit ourselves to God's plan for the church. So we kind of, we have ideas and about our views and, and how we should be involved. But it makes sense for a person that wants to honor the Lord in their marriage that they would seek the word of God and his vision for the church and apply that to our strategy on how we approach church, our involvement in it. Fatima? <laughs> yeah, like you said, we don't consider how we want to do church or how we think we should do church or how we want to build the church community around us as a family. We look to the Bible and to what it says, and we commit ourselves as a husband and wife to participate in how God operates his church, how God would have us approach Christian community. So for some of us, that might be a husband and wife. For some of us, that might be a husband and wife and a bunch of kids like us. We have a bunch of kids. And as we consider God's plan for the church, in Acts chapter 2, we'll apply these things on how a married couple should commit themselves to God's church. So please open your Bibles to Acts 2 with us. Our main passage will be verses 42 through 47. Considering the Christian couple's approach to church, our three main points is that a Christian couple should be committed to attending to giving and to serving. Now we're gonna look at attending first. And as we turn there, we see in Acts 2.42, and, and, and just to back up, this whole verse really encompasses what I see as the function of the church. We look at a vital church there in, in the Old Testament, we see God blessing it, spirit-filled people. And I, I look to this personally as I strategize as a pastor, what am I supposed to do? What, what is the church supposed to be about in the basics? Now, we can do other things as well. But if I get these four things right, then I feel that that's my calling. That's what God's put on me. So I just want to let you know that that's the context in which I'm coming from. And because I believe that, because I, I felt led that way, it, it, it starts... It, it, I believe that we can apply our marriages to it if that's something that we agree with. As we look at Acts 2, 42, you will see that it starts with they. Who are they? It says, and they. What's the context? Well, this is the day of Pentecost. And if you recall, there was a movement of the Holy Spirit that day. There was people hearing the, the word of God what God had done, the miraculous works of God in their own language that were from far off, that were coming to one of the, the feasts that they were required to come to. So 3,000 people were saved that day. These 3,000 people plus 120 20 of Jesus' disciples, well, 
That's, that's who the they were. They heard the gospel, we see in chapter 2. They received Jesus as their Savior, and they were baptized. So they were the people who were excited about the Lord. They, were, they had come to the Lord, and they were just so moved by what he was doing. So what do people who are excited about the Lord do? Well, we see in Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. This verse is what I, I've just simply put as attending, but it's more than just showing up. It's being involved. It's, it's being, what is the church about? What are we supposed to do? And being involved in that mission of the church. And as we come together as Christians, we're called, or as, as Christian couples, I believe that we would be right to continue, continue steadfastly in those things. And that means to be constantly diligent in these things. These things were important to the church. They were the, the early church. They're important to our church today. And as married couples, if we want to receive all that God has for us, then these things should be important for us too. They, can, they continued steadfastly in the, in the apostles' doctrine. They came to service. It's important to come to service. How often do we miss just for nothing? We don't feel like it. They came to hear the word. God, by his Holy Spirit, has appointed an elder in that place, in that body of believers, to bring the word that he has given to his, his, his pastor for us. That's an important thing. Don't you agree? That God speaks to us through the men he appoints and blesses by his Holy Spirit to, to bring the word to the congregation. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. And as a church, you know, they, these, these people, they were growing. They're, they're growing together in knowledge as we see. And as a church, our goal should be as a, a husband and wife that we would be growing together in knowledge of the word. That we would be growing in the Lord. And that's the beautiful thing. When, when the church comes together to sit under the teaching of the church, we're all growing at the same time. In the same way, we're receiving what the Lord would give to us. Paul, he, he said it. It's so important that we hear this word. He said it in Acts 20, verse 32. He said, so now, brethren... I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So the apostles, they dedicated themselves to studying and preaching the word and the congregation was to receive it, to receive it. And what does it do? Well, we see over in the Bible, over and over again in the Bible, it's to build us up. It's to build us up. By believing God's worth, they, they, they would have a, God's word, they would have an inheritance from the Lord that was eternal life through Christ Jesus. We should have an agreement in our marriages that we would be in a church where we know the pastor will teach the word. And I know that there can be, you know, this guy, you know, is a, is a more gifted speaker. You know, this guy, you know, they might have different offerings to give. So this guy might have more hair. 
be skinnier, you know? <laughs> more interesting, you know. Maybe that guy has service only after lunch, so we're always sleepy. But will the pastor preach the word of God, not holding anything back from you, but deliver it exactly what it says and deliver it at you in the context and what it means? We should have an agreement like that in our marriage. Fatima? They were also diligent in fellowship. This is the word koinonia. The word implies sharing in common communion, community in Christ. It's about growing in intimacy with Christ and with other believers. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, starting in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. This is such a blessing that we can experience as we approach our local church. We get to meet others who truly desire to honor the Lord, and we spend time with people who genuinely come to love who we genuinely come to love, and we share our lives with them. We glorify God together, we encourage each other, and sometimes we have to correct one another. We pray to God together, we grieve together, and we get to rejoice together. Many times these relationships can be closer than the ones we have with our own brothers and sisters. As churches and as married couples, we should strive to love those that God would bring into our churches and into our lives. But we do have some challenges, right, with fellowshipping. And one of those challenges we can have sometimes is that people are weird, right? (laughs) I'm married to this guy. (laughs) Um, Once Gabe and I first started attending Calvary Austin and then started serving, you know, we were invited to a small group. And it's a little nerve-wracking if you've never done anything like that before. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I'd never been to a small group before. So here you are driving up to a home, you know, never been to before, don't know who's going to be there, what they're going to talk about, right? <laughs> it's a little bit, it can be intimidating. But um, our first night there, they split us up, men and women, and we w- talked about pornography. And it was, this was shocking to me. I mean, I was not expecting that. I don't know what I was expecting, but that was not what I was prepared for. (laughs) But, um, so I'll be honest. I I really, I didn't want to go back again. It was really weird for me. I was super uncomfortable, but I was just, afterwards I was thinking I was just so blessed, right? These are people that were seeking, they were really trying to follow after Christ, They were committed to following the Bible together. In the world we had come from, sin was okay. You know, you just, no judging, everybody just do what they want and be happy. Um, So we ended up coming back and we were so blessed by those friendships. We were so blessed um, by that encouragement and that fellowship. And I will never forget that small group. It was another place where I know the Lord used those people and that time to do a mighty work in my heart and my life. So don't be afraid to be uncomfortable, right? People are messy and we're weird. We can be weird. (laughs) I'd never considered that the possibility that I was weird. (laughs) But then I'm like, well, I get along with these people. (laughs) We love them. Hey, I'm weird. Uh, Very weird. But it was such a blessing, man. One of the guys in that, that 
particular group, that first group that we ever went to, sent me down a line of thinking in ministry that I had never considered. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time with that group of believers. The early church, they were also committed to the breaking of bread. So that's taking communion with the church. And in this, we remember the Lord's sacrifice. As we prepare to observe what Jesus commanded us do, to do, we have an opportunity to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves and to confess to the Lord anything that, that, hey, we know shouldn't be there in our lives or that he by his Holy Spirit reveals to us. And we remember the message of the cross. It's so important that we do this. And that I, that I was lost. I was lost in sin with no hope but Christ. He died in my place and he bore the penalty of my guilt and shame. He did this so I could have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. And we pray. It's so important that we gather together. One of, the, one of the things that we're supposed to do as a church is to gather together and pray. I have a torture session on Tuesday mornings <laughs> at 6.30. And, 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 and a lot of guys show up. And I'm so blessed when they do. And it's a wonderful thing. We simply give up a few hours of sleep or an hour of sleep or get up a half hour early. And we submit ourselves to the Lord. And it's a wonderful time. Fatima has her, her ladies prayer group as well. At and, 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> Not 6.30. <laughs> I'm trying to give working dudes no excuse. So some of you guys, no excuse, bros. All right. But it's a beautiful thing when the church, we can lay our fears and our our cares. We can lay our anxieties about anything at the feet of the Lord and that bring everything in prayer and supplication to him and just be so thankful that he hears us and he'll respond to us. So why attend church services? I think most people know that the Bible tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is a manner of some. So husbands and wives, if we need a reason why regular church attendance should be a priority, Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible tells you, the Bible tells you to. (laughs) Going to church, good. (laughs) Missing church, bad. (laughs) You get the tattoo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bungie will remind you. I mean, does that check out, Bungie? Is that, is that okay? I'm sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> what was that beef and unbelief? What did he yeah. say? Yeah, <laughs> full of beef and unbelief. unbelief. <laughs> and we're not simply called to show up to check off a box, we're called to attend, to be there, and to get involved to receive God's wisdom and love through the ministry of the church, for you to be a blessing to the people within that community. So we've talked about why attending church is important, so let's talk about some challenges, right, that we um, can keep us to from attending church together. So now, some of you have been attending the same church since you've been married and have never struggled with this, but what if you're newly married and you are attending different churches, or you're engaged, about to be married and attend two different churches? You may have friendships and relationships there. And if you're remarried, you may have raised your children in that other church. You've sat under that pastor's teachings for years. It might be a very difficult thing, a tearing way to think about leaving that fellowship. The question here is not, is it wrong for both of you to attend different churches? We should instead ask, does this please God? 
our ladies have been, we've been going through Kay Smith's book, Pleasing God, and it's such a good question to ask here. So ask the question, does my husband and I attending two different churches please God? Now, just to clarify, I'm talking about attending two Bible-centered, Christ-honoring churches. Well, what does God say about marriage? He says in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. Not two separate people who go their own way. Ephesians 5.22, wives, we all know this one. We love this one. It's our favorite, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So, if our husbands are truly to be the spiritual leaders of our families, we need to submit. If you don't like the worship as much as your church, or you like the pastor better, or the children's program is nicer, is it worth dividing the family into two parts over? Many times the children will be left divided in an unhealthy way because of this choice by the parents to attend two different churches. So I would encourage wives to yield to your husbands and submit. Just before she goes on, but men... In this situation, we need to pray and seek the Lord on what was wise. We, we see how what effects it'll have on our on our wives and on our children, and we consider God's best for us. And we we of course need to listen to our wives' counsel and her opinion on these things, and we make the best choice that the Lord would have, but never without input from our spouses, and never without just love. Our, our motivation being love for for us so that we would worship the Lord together. So another challenge sometimes is when we have little ones at home, and some of you may not be in the stage or you've kind of gotten out of the stage, but um, I know this season in life can be difficult. So it can be challenging, right? Just to get out the door, um, let alone to get out the door on time. (laughs) But um, this goes back, though, to, to that call on the marriage to be obedient to what the Bible would have us to do. If as a couple you have decided to follow Jesus, then you know that it is important to attend church, and you cannot only go to church when you feel like it. I remember how hard it was to get the kids dressed. You, But moms, you have to prepare. You have to um, make it a priority, right? You have to make sure that the kids have clean clothes. That can be challenging when you have a lot of little kids just to have clean laundry. Do we plan as much for church as we plan for, like, going to our kids' t-ball practice or going um, to the mom's day out? I think sometimes we place a high priority on those other things than we do for getting ready for church. So, but I do remember uh, one time when we had our youngest, we had seven under um, seven. We had a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, two-year-old. Five under seven. Seven. Yes, sorry, wrong. (laughs) Five under, yeah. (laughs) Thanks. A seven-year-old, four, two, one, and newborn. And it was just so much work to get out of the house. I can't tell you how frustrated I would get. And just, I would, I would get there by the time the baby was fed, the diapers are changed. You get them in the car. They've maybe changed out of the clothes you put them in. You know, you finally wrangle them in, get them in. Some are missing shoes, right? You get there, (laughs) you walk in the door, you get the children in their classes. You know, Gay would be in the sanctuary. I would go to that new parent's room with my newborn, and I was just exhausted. I mean, just to get there, just so exhausted, right, physically and emotionally. But I cannot tell you what a, oh gosh, what a blessing that was to be in that room with other moms. I I can't tell you how much ministry went in that room. Um, Just encouragement from other moms. Um, 
moms would pray with me. We would, you know, talk about our issues. We would be being spiritually fed. And um, even though it was, it was hard, it was hard to stay awake, kind of like this, right? (laughs) But what a blessing. It needs to be a priority and it needs to be a commitment. So my advice is to just do everything you can, moms, to get your family there. Here. Here, 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 there, here, there. church. <laughs> now, I've heard some pretty good excuses about why people won't go to church or can't show up on time. We don't like the worship. You ever heard that one? You ever said that one? Don't like the worship. Can't stand it. <laughs> so they always come in late. They're they're fine with interrupting the service, but their coffee in hand. We can't stand the worship. I once knew a guy that told me, you know what? I don't like worship. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I've never heard a worship song that I like. And uh, I'm like, so there's not a single worship song that you've ever, has ever just kind of touched your heart, pierced you, and it just sent you into this thing of I got to glorify God because of what I'm hearing. And he's like, nah, but hey, if the, if your guy's ever out, I'm happy to lead worship. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, you're good. You know, hey, worship isn't about you, by the way. It's about kissing towards the Lord. It's about praising him. It's about glorifying and exalting his holy name. So if you have that thing where, man, I, I've never heard a worship song that I, that, that, that I, just, I just love, well, Bungie's actually got a collection of music <laughs> that he would be happy to play for you. And uh, I think that you'll find once and for all that what you've been looking for. But if not, you know, if, if truly worship music, you've never heard, have ever accounted a church, a song that just touches your heart. Pray about that. I, I talked to your pastor about that. That's serious. That that's, that's concerning. Another, another, another excuse that I hear a lot, you know, I have a job. And that's true. Some people have a job and they have to work that day. Pray for that. Pray that God would give you an alternative to that. Now, maybe you're uh, a quarterback and you play in the NFL. <laughs> Difficult, right? You change jobs in your profession and you're still, you're working on Sunday, I get. But even those guys figure out a way to have a church service. They have chaplains that, that travel with them and you're not in the NFL. So ask God that he might deliver you, okay? And give you an occupation. Absolutely, providing for your family is extremely important. But maybe pray to the Lord on that. Uh, speaking of the NFL and, and quarterbacks, I don't go to church because my son, oh man, he's going to be a professional. He's four years old. You should see him pitch. He's going to be the next Nolan Ryan. Oh, this kid's gifted at soccer. He's, whoa, I looked at you. Uh, he's six years old. Man, that kid, striker all the way. I did some research and and, and so I was looking at this, and it was a research study from, hey, that dream of going pro, playing in the NFL. Um, the Ohio State, the Ohio State University, they tracked 2016, the year 2016 high school players throughout their careers to see what the probability or actually what the results was that a player could make it onto a professional football team 
And they said, roughly speaking, there were 1,083,308 high school football players competing, and eventually 251 made it pro. That calculation is 0.023%. That's, those odds are really bad. <laughs> All right? So Johnny that, you know, throws a mean curveball and he's seven. Actually, baseball for high school, those odds is 0.5%. So a little better than football. Hockey, I don't know what that is. If I were Canadian, I'd know 0.4%. And soccer, practically 0% chance that you're going to go. So if you combine those out, of course, excluding the zero, because that would mess up the math. It's a 0.255% that your child is going to go pro in the sport that you are, that you dedicate all that time, that you have the club team, the reason that you're traveling Saturday, Sunday, and you can't be in church because you are a slave to kids' club sports. But there's a 100% chance that you're going to stand before the Lord, that your kids will stand before the Lord one day. Now, I do have a good friend that his, wife, his girls play select basketball, but they said, hey, we're not missing church. We'll be on the team. We'll play on Saturdays, but we will not miss church on Sunday. And so they've worked it out and it's been able to work for them. Husband and wives, just consider how blessed we are to have the church. Listen to what God says that he does through it. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Starting in verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God's purpose in the body of Christ is that we would hear from his word, that we would be edified, we would be built up, that we would be knowledgeable and not easily deceived by false teaching, but that we would grow in every way in Christ. And we see that God uses his community to accomplish these things. So how vital is the church community? Paul tells us that we are part of the body. We're only part. We need each other to truly experience what God wants to, wants us to experience. A Christian attempting to live apart from the church is like a foot or a hand not wanting anything to do with the body. Friends, are you deeply planted in your church? Am I on? Yes. <laughs> Friends. Are you deeply planted in your church? Are you allowing God to bless you through the ministry and the people of where he has you right now? If not, are there excuses that you're allowing to block that community? Are you, are you setting yourself aside and, and, and blocking those close relationships 
like Fatima just read, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing that the church is, is, is going to equip us to build us up, to grow us into all things in him that, that we would be able to serve him. When we experience the blessing of, of the church and, and, and we'll desire to be part of it more and more and more. And I know that happened to us when we were younger. We, we, just, we just came to the Lord. I mean, we were walking in darkness. We came to the Lord and we were so excited and we just wanted to be there. We wanted to be involved and she started serving and got me into it and it was such a blessing. And it didn't take long for us to really understand that this is just something that we want in our lives so much more. And if that's happened to you, it doesn't take long to understand that the church needs support. The church needs support. They, they, we, we, there's bills that need to be paid and there's jobs that need to be done. So our next topic is that a Christian couple, they should be, they should be committed to giving. It says in verse 44 of Acts 2, now all who believed were together. And they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone who had need. The early church gave. Some of them gave greatly sacrificially. They saw people in need and they helped with what they had. God had given them this spiritual gift. They were able to give. Now, that doesn't come naturally to many of us, right? We don't just have. Some of us don't have the gift of, of giving as far as a spiritual gift goes. But we all must come to the realization that everything, every single thing that we have, anything that we have that's worth having, it comes from where? It comes from the Lord. Amen? God has blessed us with so much in so many ways. It's important for a husband and a wife to understand, to focus on that, that you're so blessed. That there's this beautiful hope in Christ. Now, I've been really, really poor. I've, I've not been able to make ends meet. But God, I've, I've noticed, would have us trust in him. So Paul gives us this encouragement. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. One of the simplest and best explanations of a proper attitude and approach to giving is actually right on Calvary South Austin's website. I love the way they explain the concept of, of grace giving, so check that out. But their, their website says, it concludes, uh, therefore we conclude that a tithe is not required under the law. As believers, we're under grace and our giving, and our giving should reflect that fact. We're under no compulsion to give. Rather, we should give cheerfully what God has placed on our hearts. That being the case, we should all spend some time prayerfully considering what God would have us give. If we simply consider 
We, just, we know that our church, you know, uses money to facilitate many of the things they do. And we experience the blessing of how God uses the church. For the Christian couple, this should be something that's important to them, that they would support their church, that they would lift it up to the Lord, that they would come to an agreement with the Lord on what they would give and trust that that's exactly right, the right thing that they would do. They don't give it begrudgingly. They give it out of thanksgiving, knowing that God is the source of everything they have and they can put back part to work with the Lord. And then the church, therefore, also has to be uh, accountable to the Lord. Lord, what would you have us do with your money? And so on. It's such a blessing how God uses us all in operating the church in this way. We should be givers, but we have challenges in our flesh and we resist giving to the Lord. So our oldest son, he plays, he plays high school football. And so every Friday night we're at the football field in the fall and our kids love the concession stand. I don't know what it is about concessions, but it's like, I could bring a bag of Skittles from home, but it's not the same as going and buying the $2 Skittles from concessions anyway, you know, so it's, it's fun, right? I remember that as a kid, that was just fun. Anyway, they love to get candy or something like that. And, you know, a lot of times I'll say, hey, can I have a couple of those? (laughs) And sometimes, you know, you get that look and they kind of look at their bag. (laughs) (laughs) I only have a few left, Mom. I mean, it's probably half the bag, right? And they don't want to share, right? Or they're kind of picking through, right? They'll pick out, like, the yellow Skittles. I don't like the yellow ones. Here, Mom, right? (laughs) You know, but that is just... It's, it's so discouraging, right? I mean, that frustrates me to no end. I just, I think, gosh, I bought you those Skittles. I can take those Skittles back, you know? I didn't have to buy you those Skittles. I could take the whole bag from you. And here they are picking and choosing, right? The ones they don't want out of it, right? So think about that, though, when, with our finances and how that grieves God, right, when we're like that. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes... This actually happened yesterday, surprisingly enough. My daughter, she gave me her last chicken nugget. Now, that sounds so silly, but she was so happy about it. And she said, thanks, Mom, for getting me those. That brought me such joy. That's such a simple thing, right? But, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, right? It, it just blessed me so much. And how much more so is our Heavenly Father delighting, right, in us when we're cheerful, cheerful givers? So another challenge we can have when giving is sometimes we just, we just don't have any money. <laughs> I, I, we totally get this one. We, when Gabe and I were newly married, we got ourselves in a whole bunch of debt. And to me, tithing was just, I did not understand it. I had never done it in my entire life. I'd never seen it done. I just, I didn't get it. I didn't, it didn't have a high priority in my life at all. So here, God had placed this burden on Gabe's heart to start tithing to our home church. And I, I just really didn't get get why that needed to happen. I mean, it's a, it was a big church, right? <laughs> There's a lot of people there. Those people can cover the bills, right? Surely they didn't need us. And you know what? They don't. They didn't need us, right? God doesn't need my $5. <laughs> he, didn't need my, he doesn't need my $20. If I had 20000 to give, he doesn't need that. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
But God blessed us so much in our step of faith and tithing. You know, we didn't, we didn't become millionaires, right? This is no prosperity gospel here, right? We, he's not an ATM machine, right? We don't put things out and think we're going to get a whole bunch out, out from him, right? But we began to see that all we had was God's anyways. And we received the spiritual blessings of being in agreement with God's plan and giving financially to our church fellowship. We became invested in our church. God doesn't want you to miss any of his blessings. So another challenge sometimes we can come up against with tithing is that we don't agree. Husband and wife just doesn't agree on what to do, right? Ideally, a husband and wife will together seek the Lord and are in agreement with how much to give to the church. But what if you don't agree? What if one wants to give liberally and one doesn't want to give at all? Wives, we can't usurp our husband's authority. We are to walk in obedience to God and submit to our husbands. Ultimately, the husband as the head of the family is responsible for the decisions about giving. Mm-hmm. So, it's up to us. <laughs> okay. All right. That is, what, that is what you're saying. But we are supposed to lead our families, guys. We're supposed to leave our families in these things. We've got to skip down to serving because we're... Okay. I think we only have like five more minutes. <laughs> so, unless we're already five minutes over. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Bungie doesn't care. <laughs> but finally, Christian couples should be committed to serving. We should be so in love with what God's doing in us that he does through the church that, that we are willing to submit. We're willing to give, but then we bring ourselves. We see, you've heard it said many times that, that we should be bringing. Yeah, you've heard it many times and I'm blanking on it because it's not in my notes. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You're, <laughs> I can't <you're>, help you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, had to, I had to pull it up in my head. We're, we're supposed to be giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. So as we serve, we we desire that the Lord would be glorified. And we, because of what he's done for us, we want to just pour back to him and to praise him with everything we have. And notice what it says here in Acts 2. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking dead from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were praising God and having favor with all men And the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. They didn't have a church building like we have today. They did have the temple. You can see in the next couple of chapters in Acts that they ran out their welcome very quickly. But what they did have is they had one another. They had people were coming from house to house. So there was opportunities to serve people. There were opportunities to to be served. There were opportunities to know people and to grow with them. People were there where they were sharing with others what they had. They were praising the Lord and they experienced gladness, community, simple. There's such joy in serving the Lord and serving others within the community, this church community that we have, we need people that simply want to serve the Lord. 
The word instructs us. It says in 1 Peter 4, it says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as the ability, as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. As each one has received a gift, what has God given you a heart for? What has God given you the opportunity for? Serve the Lord. When we're at church, we must realize that there's so many things must be done. Amen? You look around and something must be done. But Fatima, what if we don't won't know where to start? What should we do? How do we begin to serve within the church? And, and what are some of the challenges that we might face? We got two minutes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> do, 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 do. So I can really relate to um, one of the challenges that we kind of thought about, which was not feeling like you have anything to offer. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. I maybe knew one Bible verse and I didn't know any of those children's stories, you know, that thankfully our kids know now, but I didn't know any of those. I didn't know about Noah or Jonah or creation. I don't sing. I don't play the guitar. Um, I had a one-year-old son at the time. And so I didn't feel like I could really do much, do much, but I did know that I loved Jesus and I knew he had saved me from a life of sin and shame. And so when I heard they needed help in the children's ministry at this time, I didn't know there's always a need in children's ministry. I was like, oh, there's a need? Okay. (laughs) Um, I thought, well, I can do that, right? I can change diapers and I can keep kids from crying for an hour and a half. Um, No big deal. But what a blessing that time was. I met some of my closest, one of my closest friends serving in that capacity. We're still really good friends today. And um, our son at, son at that age, he got to see how important it was to serve um, for, for me and my husband to serve. Um, and I just, God just blessed us more than I could ever bless anybody by watching those kids, right? We received the spiritual blessings by serving so much more. But I learned that I loved working with children, and God also revealed some spiritual gifts to me that I didn't know I had. He showed me that I did have talents and gifts to serve the church with. And that one small offering sparked a flame of service in both my husband and I that is still burning strong after all these years. So maybe you don't know what your gifts are. Maybe you feel like you don't have it together enough or know enough to serve. But let me just say that that is a lie. That's a lie from Satan. And if you don't know where to get or where to get started, just pray. Pray. Ask God to show you the needs of the church. Ask your pastor. Sit down with him, right? See where you can be used by God and then be obedient and step out in faith to what God calls you to do. And it shouldn't ever be done out of obligation or because it's what you're supposed to do. Our serving in the church should be a natural response to the love and grace we've been shown by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there might be some excuses that we have for not serving. I don't know what I'm good at. Can you take the trash out? (laughs) Can you sweep the floor? Just start serving. The Lord will show you what he wants to do. He'll give you 
opportunities. I don't know anyone. Man, if you start serving at the church before long, you're going to know some people. (laughs) You're going to know a lot of people. I remember I said I didn't know anyone. My first job at, at, at the church we were at was to be an usher. I knew everybody in a couple of weeks. It was awesome. I'm scared to do that. Man, this is where the rubber meets the road. If God's calling you to do something, trust him. If he's calling you to do that and you know for sure that that stepping out in faith where there's nobody else, there's no net, it's just me and the Holy Spirit. If God's calling you, if he's leading you into something and to do something, oh, he's going to provide for you what you need to do it. And that's a beautiful experience. That's when we grow. That's when you really start to, to trust him. And no, I don't need a net. I've got the Lord. Amen. Friends, we're made to praise the Lord. As a husband and wife, we're made to praise the Lord. But God would love for us to come into the church community and just have this beautiful sense of community, of fellowship, koinonia as they call it, that we deeply and intimately are growing in the Lord and we're growing in one another, that's what he wants for us. Husband and wife, we're called to glorify him and how beautiful it is when the church comes together to sing his praises.